0: It's Betsy Orton with the Dickey Foundation, and you're listening to Dickey's Doing Good podcast, the podcast where we tell good stories about good people doing good things in our community. My guest today is Tony Sutton, who is the Regional Director for Child Protective Investigations with the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services. We're so glad that you could take the time to join us today, Tony. Thanks. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, Tony, I know we've had a chance to visit, but for those folks who don't know you quite as well, tell us about yourself and your work with child protective investigations and how how you ended up in the, in this fat, this this line of work where you're doing so much good.
1: <laughs> so, I have been with the department for 23 years now, and I actually ended up starting on my birthday 23 years ago, and what was you know meant to be a uh, stop-off starter job has turned into a career. So, Fell in love with it and have been here ever since and uh, just found a place where I am needed and can do a lot of good for a lot of people. So it's a great place to be.
0: That's wonderful. Now, now what was your background before you came in? You you said you've been doing this for 23 years, so you started very young at like eight years old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Precocious (laughs) eight-year-old. Precocious eight-year-old.
1: Degree in psychology and then my first job straight out of the gate was at a... um, shelter for abused and neglected children and just started meeting some of the kids that we'd be working with in this capacity and was bit by that bug and you know once i started doing that work realized okay that was just a stop-off place for the children that wasn't who was making the decisions and it had to be where we were going to make the decision so then moved over to child protective services as a caseworker started out doing that and um, just various positions you know Casework, fieldwork, out there knocking on the doors, um, doing the placements for kids late at night—all those good things. Then went on to supervision, um, which was really fun because then you are, you know, building those units and supporting staff and helping them uh, get what they need to do the work and, and to be effective with with kids. And just have been here ever since. A few few more levels and a few more administrative duties since then, but here I am.
0: Wonderful. And people hear about, people hear CPS all the time, Child Protective Services and that sort of thing. Kind of tell me a little bit more about the work that you and your team do. I know we've talked about the fact that there are a lot of statistics and we have almost 300,000 calls that you all got last year in the state of Texas, but talk to me a little bit about the work that you all are doing.
1: So my team are the folks that knock on the doors and get the initial investigation. So if you as a teacher or a member of the community has a concern about a child, you're going to call the hotline, which will eventually connect you with us, who's the person who's going to go out and visit with your child and talk to them, do the interview, see if there is a concern or worry or or something that we need to intervene on and do the full investigation. The good news is the majority of the cases that we work, it's more about neglectful supervision, or maybe somebody doesn't have the resources that they need to keep their child healthy and safe, and we connect them with those resources. Um, Some of the other more severe cases, kids end up having to come into the foster care system. So we are the ones that go to court and petition the judge and ask for temporary custody of that child and connect them with the foster care system.
0: And it sounds like CPS, what you all really want to do is help people with those resources, where this is not bad, scary CPS that's breaking up families. You want to help families stay together and help parents be better parents.
1: Very much so. The first first goal is to keep families together. We always want to uh, commit to family preservation and removing the child and bringing them into foster care is always the last, last effort uh, to keep them safe. So we have tried other interventions, can't do it safely keeping you in the home. Um, We always look for parents, um, friends, family resources, somebody that the child already has a connection with. So if we can work it from that angle, we're happy to do that as well. So I know everyone thinks CPS immediately, you're gonna take my child away, but really the majority of it is connecting family to resources and helping them provide for their own child, strengthening the family so they don't need us.
0: Well, and right now we're still in the middle of the COVID 19 pandemic. And I mean, so often reporters are coming from teachers, reports are coming from teachers and schools and other places like that that children aren't going to now. So, how is the pandemic really affecting, affecting your team and those folks out there?
1: So, for us, it's been a really interesting ride. Um, right at first, you know, March at the onset of the pandemic things slowed down for us as far as the intakes. And for us, that was a really scary proposition because we knew that the need was still there. There were still children that needed our needed our intervention or needed the investigations or connection with resources. But the number of intakes had actually slowed down significantly because typically it's the, the teachers and the neighbors and the doctors and people who are having um, contact with the children that are making those reports. And because kids were at home, they weren't necessarily seeing the children to make those reports. Um, And unfortunately for some kids, home isn't always a safe place. So we were obviously concerned about that. Um, But thankfully, as things started transitioning and opening back up, we were getting um, the reports and the resources to know where to go and who to check on and, and who needed what. But... The other piece of that was just um, for my staff managing the COVID pandemic because at the onset um, we had the usual PPE as far as gloves and you know hand sanitizer and all of that, but you know like everyone else, that quickly went away. The supplies weren't available, but staff were still you know going out to homes and schools and knocking on doors and putting themselves at risk to make sure that children were okay and to conduct these investigations. So. My staff is always just amazing, amazingly resilient, and there is no better um, there's no better group of people than child protective services as far as being able to adapt and overcome. And that is essentially what they did during this pandemic, and what they're still doing today. Um, but they had a lot of fear and have had to overcome a, a lot of you know obstacles as far as getting what we needed to be able to do that safely and making sure families felt comfortable with us coming into their home because you know they're afraid of us just as much. As <laughs> staff were afraid of them and sharing the germs and all that. Of so
0: course.
1: You've got staff that are so committed to this work and so brave in the field every day, but they're also concerned about their own children. What am I bringing home to them or maybe the elderly parent that they're taking care of and you know just balancing all of that. So so um our people are amazing
0: it, they they truly are i mean and it sounds like they were walking into some pretty stressful situations i mean if if they were getting a call about something that might be going on in the home Parents are having to juggle jobs and juggle homeschooling and a child being there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, they love their children, but they're not used to spending quite that much time with them a lot of times.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm that parent. <laughs> I love you, but we don't need to be in the same room for 24 hours. So, was,
0: yeah. so I imagine that that stress really affected families and, and how your staff was able to interact with them.
1: It, it did. We ended up seeing where we were getting fewer cases. The cases that we were getting were uh, definitely more significant and, and bigger worries and concerns and different things that we needed to um, intervene on. Um, but yeah, uh, again, I'm just so proud of my staff and the way they have managed to balance all that. Because again, as you know, they were you know, dealing with the typical caseload, the typical work, fears with COVID. Well, Because of COVID, and we've had staff that have been hospitalized, several in the ICU, um, we've even had one fatality um, of a gentleman that passed away from COVID. There's fewer people in the workforce to even manage these cases. So they're absorbing that additional workload as well, but they still show up every day. They show up and talk to kids, get down on their level, visit with them and make sure that they've got what they need to thrive.
0: That, that, those are truly remarkable people that are doing that. And kind of talking about children, there, there are some really scary statistics relating to children in Texas as it relates to their health, their economic stability, and their overall well-being. We're, we're not placed well in the, in the 50 state ranking. Um, and kind of how does that affect your work and what's being done to help the children and families?
1: So what you will see in what we talked about earlier is we are very adaptable. And we are all the time looking at ways to improve policy, improve protocol, you know, what can we do to make things better. And even with that, because Texas is such a large state, we have you know, the overriding policy procedures, but even those get adapted to the individual areas. Um, you know, how you do things in Lubbock isn't necessarily what's gonna work in, in Dallas Metroplex, just making sure that we tailor the services and different things to the children in our own communities.
0: Well, and speaking of community, I know you all work obviously closely with Community Partners Dallas and with the various children's advocacy centers. Tell me a little bit about, more about uh, your work and interacting with those agencies.
1: We have some incredible partners in the Dallas and surrounding Metroplex. So the area that I have is Dallas and the eight surrounding counties. So Dallas Children's Advocacy Center, Collin County Children Advocacy Center, those are two of the big ones that are constantly uh, working hand in hand with us and, and supporting us in our work and providing the forensic interviews and the ongoing therapy after, after the fact to take care of the children. Um, Community Partners Dallas, and as you can see and know, they provide an amazing facility for us. Um, And this is for recently, what we moved in over here is, these are the children that my after-hours weekend team, that if they end up removing the child, this is their first stop. This is where they come, they'll spend the night here, do what needs to be done before we can locate their placement. So, you know, it's a very child-friendly, welcoming environment and a very, very traumatic, difficult time for a child.
0: Well, and for folks who haven't been here, it really is, it's, it's a beautiful facility, but they have it set up where there are actually individual bedrooms where a child can go and they can have a safe place, a safe bed, somewhere to put their things. They have some that have double bed, two beds in there. So, so a sibling could be in there with them as well. So um, that, that's a really wonderful thing that you will have set this up for, as you said, because after hours, you know, when bad things happen at two o'clock in the morning, it's, it's a safe place to bring them right absolutely wonderful well so what what to you is kind of the best part about being with with cpi
1: you know at this stage just having been around for a minute um seeing some of the changes in in the families that i've worked with um you know literally started out as a 23 year old caseworker and then you get you know 10 15 down 15 years down the line still keeping contact with some of those original children that had come into care at the time and seeing some good outcomes. And the wonderful thing about this work is you're able to make a difference not only in the life of that child, but a lot of times you're changing generations to come. I mean, if you are ending a cycle of abuse or putting somebody on a different path or introducing a child to a whole new opportunity that they might not have had, you know, had we not provided an intervention. That's amazing. Um, There's not a whole lot of, you know, work in different fields out there that you can do where you really get to make that big of an impact.
0: You are, you're making generational change right there. That's remarkable.
1: We do some miracles sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What do you think is the most misunderstood thing about CPS?
1: Kind of what we talked about before that if cps is knocking on your door you have done something terrible and we're about to take your children um like i said the majority of the time we are visiting with families that just need a just need a helping hand um they might be in a bad situation um, that is new or this may be something that's been going on for a long time but the idea is to provide the services and assistance to help change the course of that child's life for the better
0: wonderful um so tell me Tell me about an experience that you've had that really touched your heart and one that may have changed how you do things in your time with cps
1: oh so many you know you do this work for a while there are kids that just leave a mark on your heart and you know i can think of a couple that just uh, which, which one to tell you about even um, i can say early in my career there was a little boy and he was so sweet and just the things he had been through were horrific just horrific and then you would see him afterwards and he was getting um therapy and had been placed with a wonderful foster parent who was really helping him overcome some of the things that he had been through but then just to see him you know down the line um just adjust into a normal teenage boy so seeing him at 4 this shattered shell of an individual but given that love and care and support you know he he had a shot at life, he had a great shot at life, and that was just, it's like, okay, this is what I wanna do for a living, this is good stuff.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of that, what, what would you tell someone who is interested in a career like this, who says, you know, that, that's something I'm interested in, what, what would you tell them to do, and experiences, and, and things like that?
1: You know, you really have to figure out if it truly is the work for you, because there, there, are, there are days when you see some really horrific things, and you know, things that you didn't know were possible to do to a child, and yeah, you, know, you know, honestly, I could have gone my whole life without knowing some of those things, but you have to figure out if, if you can dig deep and, and, and find the tenacity to, to deal with that in order to provide services and, and help a child. Um, we have um, staff that come in um, and, and I'll just say our, our turnover rate is, a, is, is probably higher than we want it to be. And that's for two reasons. One it's really hard work. Um, you're, you're, you're doing this on call, you're doing this in not optimal c- conditions, you know, it's 106 outside and you might be, you know, in somebody's home who doesn't have air conditioning and that's just what it is. We're just going to you know talk to folks and interview the kids and then figure out how do we get you some AC <laughs> <laughs> so everybody can be more comfortable, but it's not, it's not for everybody. I mean, it's definitely one of those careers where you've got to have a little bit of grit. And if you also don't have the emotional resilience, you're not gonna be happy doing it long-term. So just really questioning the where and why you were drawn to this
0: work. What I think, yeah, I talked to a lot of first responders and what you're talking about, that tenacity, that grit, that emotional resilience is is something that's so key in the work that you all are doing. Yeah. Um, so who are three people who really helped and made a difference for you?
1: So many people. Um, you know, I would say one of the keys to doing this work long-term is surrounding yourself with people who um, who you can laugh with, people who build you up and people who understand. Um, I had a great mentor, um, Dan Powers. He, he still actually is over at the Collin County Advocacy Center and he was my um, supervisor for my clinical hours as I got my clinical licensure. But um, fantastic mentor, learned a lot and still to this day, um, very close and provides a lot of support. Um, you know, my family in general, my husband is amazing because, again, you can't do this work without having some people at home that support you and just understand where, one, it's a really long day and no, I don't want to talk about it. And, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we'll provide you with, with that love and support too. And then I've just had the, um, been very fortunate just to have had a series of great bosses. Um My current director of field, Sherry Gomez, actually she uh, is about to retire and I'm in deep and utter mourning about that, but learned a lot and have just had a really great support system of uh, peers and coworkers and people who are dedicated to this work and you can learn a lot from and you know, I'm sure you found this with all of your first responders, we all have a very dark and twisted sense of humor and just, you know, the, that gallows humor is what allows you to survive and thrive when you're, you know, looking at some very dark things.
0: Absolutely. And you, you all do do see kind of the worst side of so many people and you you run into people on their worst day. Very much so. And, and so it's nice that, that you do have positive outcomes that, that go along with that hopefully most of the time. Um, so what, what is the most important thing that you have, you've learned in your life that you would say? What, what is the best piece of advice or most important thing that you would share?
1: Oh, that's a big one. Um, you know, I think really just to give people grace. I mean, I think one of the things that people in this line of work, you start to become a little bit jaded, you know, in that people aren't necessarily great. But, you know, really for me, one of the biggest lessons is The majority of the people out there, they're doing the best they can with with what they have at the time, and people really love and care about their children. The majority of the families that we work with, they just want what's best for the child. They may not know what that is or have the capacity to give it to them on that day, but they love that child and they want to do, do what's
0: right. Well, and to your point, giving giving grace for that, I think is, is certainly something that, that's important to be doing. Like we said, you're running into people on one of the worst days of their lives. Exactly. No, nobody's very few people are probably thrilled when the CPS shows up for that first visit.
1: Never, never. And, <laughs> and if they are, I would be a little bit concerned about that too. So I would, I would I'm not would, would not be happy about them showing up at my door either as a parent. So I, I, I get it. I understand. And the goal is for us to talk and come to a um, if CPS is here at your door, what can we do for you? What what can we do to help fix this so you can take care of your child on your own without any of our services? We, we have the same goal for CPS to not be in your life.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's good to have common goals. That's it important. <laughs> so if, if we were to switch chairs, what question would you have asked you that I haven't asked you yet? And we don't have to switch chairs <laughs> because COVID, COVID, that's weird. Germs. No, you, can't do that.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't know. What's, And I'll just tell you, I'm a pretty quiet person anyway. And what I was so excited about and having this opportunity to visit with you about was just really to brag on my staff because they are great the majority of the time. I mean, just on a a normal year, these are good people doing really good things under difficult circumstances. Throw COVID at them and wow. I mean, just really true heroes. I had sent out a thing earlier this week about, you know, some heroes wear capes, Mine all wear masks. People who are willing to put their own health, safety, well-being at risk to take care of kids. That's a hero in my book.
0: Absolutely. And you, you all certainly are, are heroes, and, and we so appreciate everything that you and your team are out there doing to help families and children um, across Dallas, across Texas, and to those outside of Texas, all, all, all of you helping children. So we, we certainly appreciate that. All right, I'm going to flip it flip it a little bit differently now we're gonna we're gonna switch over to the Dickies side of things. So what is your favorite Dickies meat and favorite Dickies side?
1: I am all about the sausage plate with the baked
0: potato casserole. There you go. Those are good choices. Our jalapeno cheddar is one of our most popular things. That's that's always a a big popular one. All right, and we always like to switch it up with our lightning round. That's how we like to finish. So I'm going to give you a choice between two items, and you're going to tell me which one you prefer. We'll start it out with an easy one. Barbecue beans or jalapeno beans? Barbecue. Sweet or unsweet tea? Half and half. Oh, that's creative. I mean, you know, you're walking the fence there. I want you know, the it's sweet. sweet.
1: I don't necessarily need all the calories.
0: <laughs> well, you're from up north, so I didn't know if we were getting a uh, sweet or an unsweet there. All right. So chopped brisket or sliced brisket? Sliced. Sauce or no sauce? Lots of sauce. Lots of sauce. What well, are we going with spicy? Or are we going with sweet or are we going with the original? We're no. going sweet. Okay. Brisket or pulled pork? Pulled pork. All right. And then last but not least, ribs or wings? Ribs. All right, excellent choice there. I'm a big fan of our ribs too. Uh, Y'all, thank you so much for joining us today on Dickie's Doing Good. My guest has been Tony Sutton. Thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate everything that you're doing and everything that your team is doing to help children's families across Texas. Thanks, Betsy. I appreciate it. This was fun.